I don't have a lot of time, but I do want to say thank you so much to Quentin Road, um, what you've been to our family, to be able to be here uh, trained. Uh, my, my wife and I started our marriage here together. Uh, our children were raised here for the first several years of their lives. And then in the building project, we just got our final occupancy Friday. And um, six months to the day after we got our conditional occupancy. And all I can say is, bless the village of Downers Grove. <laughs> I love them. Um, yeah, that was fun. But quit, listen, Quint Road, so many people, I understand, gave to help our church financially. So many people gave by coming down. Uh, I compare it to this. You people that don't remember this, you'll un- just go on YouTube, which is ironic because I'm going to tell you not to go on YouTube in a minute. Um, the 85 Bears. Anyone remember the 85 Bears when we won a long time ago? In that year, Walter Payton's sweetness was running for the end zone and refrigerator William Perry came up behind him, picked him up and ran across the end zone with him. And that's what Quinton Road did for us to get us across that finish line. And yes, in that illustration, I'm Sweetness and Pastor Jim's William Refrigerator Perry, which is just a bonus. But thank you so much. Words cannot express. We literally would not be in our building. It would not be completed had it not been for your pastor, Pastor Jim, uh, Pastor Paul, so many in the staff, and so many of you praying for us and supporting us. Thank you so much. Um, we, we so appreciate it. All right, let's, let's open with a word of prayer and let's see if I can squeeze this into 32 minutes. Our Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us to redeem the time. Help me not to speak too fast. Help me to have clarity of thought. May your word uh, rule and reign in our hearts, Lord. Um, may we not offend because of me or how I might say anything. But Lord, may your truth, which does not offend, it convicts, it course corrects. May it help us, Lord, as it has helped me, as it has helped everyone who has listened to you, your spirit, and your word. We ask it for our benefit and for your glory in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I've been pastoring for uh, 14 years, 14 and a half years. Um, And in that time, I have heard the most common complaint in Christianity, and I've shared it myself. I've had the same two problems. And it's this. I don't have enough time and I don't have enough money. And here's the problem. We live in the most affluent country in the world. The United States is leading in technology. We have more technological advantage. We have more efficiency We have more convenience. We have more tools than the majority of the rest of the population and humanity. And the Bible tells us, the Spirit of God tells us, if we're believers in Jesus Christ, we're not even just conquerors. He says we're more than conquerors through him that loved us, through Jesus Christ. And so people who are supposed to be, have been promised to be, we are more than conquerors. How is it that we struggle with life to this degree? I don't have enough time. I don't have 
enough money. I often say and think the same thing. So what is the problem? The problem cannot be God. The problem cannot be his word. There's only one other option. It's me. It's me. If you're anything like me, as I studied this out, here's what you're going to be tempted to do or do. You're going to want to defend yourself to yourself about yourself. I was defending myself to myself about myself. And then I put myself in a case study for two weeks preparing for this message. And I didn't like what I found. Some of the things that we're going to share today may not apply to you. And if they don't apply to you in that specific instance, great. But here's the challenge. Don't deflect. We have to check ourselves so we don't wreck ourselves. And we don't check ourselves against the previous generation or the person sitting next to us. We check ourselves. We examine ourselves, as 1 Corinthians tells us, against Jesus Christ. And so we need to look at our situation and we need to find out, here's the goal of today. I need to know where my time is going and I need to know where my money is going because it's not my time and it's not my money. I steward it on behalf of God. Point number one, where did my time go? James 4, 14, whereas you do not know what shall be tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor. It appears for a little time and then it vanishes away. Can, can you say amen to that? Every year is just going faster and faster. It's here and then it's gone. Our very lives belong to God. If we are in Jesus Christ, God created us. He breathed into our nostrils the breath of life. We've ruined our lives with sin. When he should have been done with us, he loved us when we were lost and dead in trespasses and sins. He gave his only begotten son to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. He paid the price once for all, for all sin. And he offers to whosoever will the gift of eternal life, his righteousness as a free gift. How do I get that? The way you would receive any gift, you have to take the giver of the gift at his word. It was his, it is now yours. So if I've put my faith in Christ and I've received that gift, I belong to God. That's what his word says. Look at 1 Corinthians 6.20. For you are bought with a price. This is speaking to believers in Jesus Christ. You're bought with a price. What price? The blood of the only begotten son of God. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So my body, the physical realm, my time, my energy, my talents, my possessions, glorify God with it because it's his. My spirit, my emotion, my thoughts, my motivation, those belong to God too. So honor him, glorify him because I belong to him. First Corinthians chapter four, verse number two. Moreover, it's required in stewards. Not, it's, it's beneficial if stewards can have this too. Not, it'd be a nice bonus. No, God says it's required. If we're going to be a steward, it's required that we be found faithful. Faithful to God. Believing. Faithful stewards. God wants us to be intentional with our stewardship of time. Look at the book of Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 16. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. What do you mean the days are evil? We live in a sin-cursed world. It says elsewhere, sufficient to the days, the evil thereof. Tomorrow's going to have its problems just like today's going to have its problems. 
Okay, so we can all sit here and go, well, I'd have more time if things weren't so hard. I'd have more time if this didn't happen, if that didn't happen. Listen, the days are evil, so God tells us with the help of his spirit leading us into the truth of his word, buy back that time wisely. Here's the problems that we see. My marriage would be better if I had more time for my spouse. My children would be doing better if I had more time to give them. Pastor, I would be more present and attending and serve more and involved in the church if only I had more time. Here's something I've learned as a pastor. When you haven't seen somebody in a while at church and you see them, and like, hey, it's good to see you. 99 times out of 100, when you'd say that, they're going to say to you, I've been so busy. Now, granted, we're human and we, we all have the same nature. Some of that's garbage. Right? Some of it's just like, yeah, I haven't been here and I don't want to say I really don't like coming here. I like sleeping in. Football finally ended, so I'm coming back to church. So I've been so busy. But a lot of people mean that. I've been too busy. I'd get more involved in church. I'd do more of what the New Testament says if I had more time. I'd serve God. I'd serve God by serving others like he talks about that I've been called to if only I had more time. The problem is we put God at the end of that list. Wisdom's very important. God said it's so important, he wrote a book about wisdom. He called it Proverbs. Proverbs chapter four, verse number seven. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Principal thing in the Hebrew. Chief, priority, top. God's wisdom, God's truth. You have to start with God. You want a better marriage? You gotta start with God. If you're in the position where, well, to be a better husband, I gotta gotta put God on hold. Wrong. To be a better steward of time, I gotta pull time away from the things God says. Wrong. Wisdom's the principal thing. I gotta start with wisdom and fill in the blank. Parenting, employment, being a boss, being an employee, being a sibling, being a member of the family of God. I've got breaking news. You're gonna be so glad you came today. There has always only been 24 hours in a day. Everyone has the same amount of time. The generation before us had the same amount of time. The ones that come after us will have the same amount of time in a given day. So this is not open. We're going to talk about money if we ever get there. We're going to get there. And you're all like, yeah, just don't bother getting there. (laughs) Money is like, you can always, well, they have more than I do. And maybe they do. But you know who's rich? Whoever has more than me. That's who's rich, right? Who's well-to-do? Whoever's got more than I do because I'm just getting by. Time? We don't have that. We all have the same amount of time. So it cannot be that God wasn't faithful. It cannot be I don't have enough time. It can't be that. The problem can only be I am a poor steward of my time. That's the only possibility. A faithful steward has to know where their time went. A faithful steward has to know know where their money went. And I don't mean, yeah, I'm pretty sure, because I did that, and then I did a test. And I really don't want to share the results of that test. I'm pretty sure I spend about roughly this much time. That's not a faithful steward. A faithful steward has to know, where did my time go so I can find out if it went to the wrong place, why I didn't have enough time, and start with wisdom as the principal thing. Where did my money go? A faithful steward needs to... 
You give tithes and offerings to your church. Don't you want Quentin Road to know where the money went? Apparently not. I wish I had this church. <laughs> we do an annual meeting. We do it at our church. We give a report. You want the church to know where the money went. You want the church to be faithful stewards of the resources. God wants us to know where the time went, where the money went. Check ourselves so we do not wreck ourselves. I have to know where my time went so that I can plan for where my time is going to go. The sweet psalmist of Israel under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he did this in the 119th Psalm, verse number 59. He said, I thought on my ways. I turn my feet to your testimonies. Here's another breaking bit of news. Almost always you're facing, you're heading the same way your feet are facing. I thought on my ways. I made changes. I turned my feet to God's truth, God's testimony. And he didn't procrastinate with time. I made haste. I did not delay to keep your commandments. Okay, so there's a lot we can talk about time. Here's where we're going to go. Point number two here, screen time. And I recognize the irony that I'm looking at four screens and asking you to look at three screens. And if you're on live stream, this message is not against screens. This message is the danger screens suck our lives away if we're not stewards that are faithful. 20 years ago, people didn't have the conveniences that we have today. They didn't have the efficiency that we have today. 20 years ago, you had to walk into a bank. I have my checking account and routing, not, routing number still memorized. I used to have to know them to go in and get, you know, the little pen with the chain and fill that thing out. Isn't it nice to deposit through this thing? Isn't it so nice? I don't even know if they have physical locations anymore. It's been so long. Well, they do because we borrowed money for our church, but... People used to go into grocery stores. Kids are like, no, he's crazy talk, dad. <laughs> they went to the grocery store. They had these carts. They went up and down every aisle, kids. They had to see everything in there. If it was mom, she had to shake it and sniff it and put it back and... had to go and you had to decide, are you going to get paper? Are you going to get plastic? And you had to give money for that. And then if you went to Aldi, you went to the shelf. I don't know if they still do this. I don't go to these stores. And, and you had to put it in the bags yourself. You had to carry it out to your car. You had to put it in your car all by yourself. You had to drive back home. Then somebody had to bring it in from the, the, the trunk to the house. They didn't have the conveniences we have today. They didn't have the technology we had today. But they had more time than we have today. Wow. How can that be? The average American spends seven hours and four minutes looking at screens each day. That's from data reportal from January 2023. That is a little over 40% of most people's waking time in a day. And so I did a test. I said, okay. I'm, I was one of those guys. I don't have a screen addiction. Now, I, this is a great tool, okay? Now, this is not what this message is about, but you be careful with these because every bit of the curse of sin 
is accessible through technology. So you be careful with that. You be careful with your children. My my wife has all my passwords. It's not convenient when she wants to check, but we have an agreement. She checks when she wants to check. And there's been some times she's like, I want to see your phone. And I'm like, I'm busy. But it should be inconvenient. So be careful with it. But I did a test. I said, okay, so aside from my responsibilities, I check email on this, I send texts with church, and uh, I, 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 when I'm in the moment, and I'm looking up a scripture, and I got my Bible app on here, and I do my banking on here, so I deposit a check on here, I check my balance on here, I transfer money on here, I have a kid at Dayspring, so that happens more than I like for it to happen, transferring money. I, I do these things, and I said, okay, I'm going to be intentional. So in the morning, before I get rolling, because I'm an early riser, I'm the first one up, I'm going to make sure that I pay attention to how long I'm looking at this thing. And I'm going to make sure that I'm only going to spend at most in a full 24-hour period, one hour on this phone for other than essential, my responsibility for personal life and ministry things. I thought I'll have a nice little footnote for this message. And then I saw the results. And it's not a brag it's a shame ammonia. I did it for two weeks. My screen time on my phone went down by 40%. 40%. You know what else happened? I've not been nearly as tired or sleepy in the evenings. I wonder why. Huh? I've been more present in my relationships. Turns out I have a wife. (laughs) And she's pretty. I had to make up for that joke earlier about the shopping, so. But she is, she is pretty. Right back in the doghouse. I've been more present in my relationships. I've been more present in my responsibilities. I've been more present in my life. In the last two weeks, I have crossed things off my to-do list that have been on there since we've been moved into our new building for six months. I've had time. I've had time. There's nothing wrong with sitting in a room with no screen on and thinking if you're by yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. It used to be normal. There's binge watching. I don't have time, so we're going to skip binge watching. But they didn't used to be binge watching. Now, we're all Christians, so we never went to Blockbuster back in the day. (laughs) But at least back then, you walk out of Blockbuster on a Friday night with 20 boxes, even the world's going, you need to get a life. (laughs) But now I can just have it streamed. Again, you guard your heart. You watch what you let in and watch how much you let in. Do you realize it's by design? They want you to keep watching. Psychologists at the University of Kent have shown people using Facebook or surfing the web suffer impaired time perception. Their results indicate that people underestimate time passing when they're looking at internet-related images and even more so when looking at Facebook-related images. That was published in the Journal of Applied Social Psychology. Screen time, it reduces my productivity. This was not on the screens, but let me throw this out at you. Most people check their phones 58 times a day. 
30 of those times are during work hours. So no, your total screen time is not impacting your efficiency. It's how often you're picking up your phone to get distracted. The act of compulsive checking can be hazardous to our productivity. According to a study by the University of California, Irvine, it takes an average of 23 minutes and 15 seconds to get back to the deep focus you had on task once you have been distracted. That's from the elite content marketer. Reduce productivity. Translation, wasting time. Look at Luke 19, 13. And he called his 10 servants and he delivered them 10 pounds and he said unto them, occupy till I come. That word translated into the English occupy. It means to be busy with managing. Digital overload may be the defining problem of today's workplace. All day and night on desktops, laptops, tablets, smartphones, we're bombarded with so many messages and alerts that even when we want to focus, it's nearly impossible. And when we're tempted to procrastinate, diversions are only a click away. This culture of constant connection takes a toll both professionally and personally. We waste time, attention, and energy on relatively unimportant information and interactions. Get this next part. Staying busy, but producing little of value. I don't have enough time. As the late Clifford Nass and his colleagues at Stanford University have shown, people who regularly juggle several streams of content do not pay attention, memorize, or manage their tasks, as well as those who focus on one thing at a time. The result is reduced productivity and engagement both in the office and at home. That's Larry Rosen in Harvard Business Review. Speaking of home, relationships suffer. My wife and I have been guilty of this, going out to eat, and once we order the food, looking at our phones. We've been guilty of it. We went out on a date Friday night just so we could not look at our phones. And it was a very nice evening. Hebrews 10.25, do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. Do you realize that that command of God, which is the commands, the words of life, is not just bodily showing up, but to be emotionally, mentally present? We started with time so you'd put your phone down while I'm preaching, by the way. There's even a new term for it. It's a definition. It's in one of the new dictionaries. Fubbing, which is the act of snubbing real-life company by looking at your phone. A study published in Computers and Human Behavior found that it creates conflict and decreases a partner's level of reported relationship satisfaction. This sharp increase in screen time does not just limit the quantity of our real-life interactions. It also disrupts the quality. Even when you manage to get your friends to do something social, their attention is lacking. Notifications ping every minute or so, interrupting conversations, and the constant flood of new information accumulating on social media feeds convinces us, unless we stay on top of it all, we're missing out. It's actually a diagnosed uh, psychological condition, fear of missing out. It makes us often neglect the people right in front of us. That study was effects of fubbing relationships with psychodemographic variables. You know... It used to be if, some, if, if somebody called you and you didn't answer, that was just fine. It affects our spirit. 
A 2008 population-based study by Twenge and Campbell showed that after an hour of screen time per day, increasing screen time was generally linked to progressively lower psychological well-being. The researchers also noted that high users of screens were also significantly more likely to have been diagnosed with anxiety or depression. The authors point out that these findings are in line with research that shows that phone addiction is related to adverse psychological traits and impaired social interaction. They explain, as people are more obsessed with their mobile phones, they engage in their relationships less. They lose stability in their behaviors. They become unaware of their talents, interests, and skills and are less eager to pursue a bright future. That's it for time. Now we get to move to money. But I'm going to say one last thing about time. If I am habitually late, if I have built into my thinking that I am just a late person and I am late and I will be late, employers and employees wait on me, family waits on me, Friends wait on me. Church family waits on me. If that's the case, I am such a poor steward of my time, I am a thief of other people's time because I'm stealing from others because I so mismanage my own. Ah, I hate it when it gets that quiet in here, don't you? Last point, where did the money go? Matthew 25, 14 and 15, for the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and he delivered unto them his goods. Unto one he gave five talents, to another two and to another one, to every man according to his ability and immediately he took his journey. So let's just get over the whole, if only I had somebody else's money. You know how much money I have if I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, what God says I can handle. Now this is not Joel Olstein. Okay? I'm not grinning at you. This is not about getting rich. But let me tell you something. The quickest way to having more money is to become a better manager of the money that I already have. That's what God says about stewardship. I don't have enough money. God's answer, be a better manager of the money, the talents, the possessions that he's entrusted to me. Look at Luke 16, 10, verse 13, or chapter 16, verses 10 through 13. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in that which is least will be unjust also in much. Oh, man. There goes that if I had more money, I'd be more generous. God says, lie. It's not true. If therefore you've not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. We're going to look at a couple things that Aaron and I did years ago, and it has helped us. You want one, one of the things, one of the main things I learned in my time here from Dr. Scudder, be a generous person. God actually meant what he said when he said it's more blessed to give than receive. 
I remember, I used to be that guy. And I would hear Dr. Scudder preach about he always tipped 20%. And I'm like, well, that's ridiculous. Service wasn't that good, so there goes a dollar, and here goes the, and I was just the happiest guy in the world. It got quiet again, shoot. <laughs> you know what I learned under Dr. Scudder among many things? I tipped 20%, starting, minimum. Oh, I can't afford that, then don't go out. Be generous. The only person who's given more than he has received gives this testimony. That's where the joy is. It's more blessed to give than receive. It is not a sin. We're going to look at a couple things here. We're going to talk about eating out. And it gets quiet again. We eat out sometimes. It's not a sin to eat out. It's a sin to not know where my money's going and live a lifestyle that's less than a conqueror and excuse it with, I just haven't been given enough time or money from God. The average American dines out 5.9 times per week. That can't be true. Well, don't blame me. It was the Bureau of Labor Statistics. That was a year ago, January 22. They count dining out as drive through Uber, going in. I think they include going into the gas station. You used to go to the gas station to buy gas. Now you drop 10 bucks on corn chips and the Pepsi or whatever you're getting. The average American household spends about $3,000 a year dining out. This includes one-person households. Again, that can't be true. Well, take it up with the Bureau of Labor Statistics. If you don't like some of the stuff, blame God. If you don't like the stuff, other stuff, Bureau of Labor Statistics. I'm your friend, though. I'm on your side. The average commercially prepared meal is 325% more expensive than a meal prepared at home, and that does not include leftovers. That's from moneyinunder30.com. So I checked it. I started with my favorite, Portillo's. Have you been to Portillo's? An average meal at Portillo's. I just went with a cheeseburger. I went with you, so that's, I, I had to do research. That was for this message. <laughs> cheeseburger, fries, a large drink. With tax, twelve fifty a person. I actually did that online from their menu. Then I actually went out to Portillo's and it was fourteen fifty a person in, in real life. McDonald's, ugh. The average McDonald's meal, I just went straight. Pastor, are you including the dollar menu? No, I'm not including the dollar menu. Okay? And I've been behind you in the drive-thru. You don't do it anyways. McDonald's meal, average, $11 a person. A person for McDonald's? Here's the best deal I could find for lunch. Rosati's lunch. Slice of pizza, bottle of soda, six fifty. Used to be five bucks. I found this online. I don't know. You people tell me. Starbucks average order. They're saying two seventy five. I don't know. I'm a Christian. I don't go to Starbucks. I may have set you up there. 
I found elsewhere online, it says the average person drops between six and nine dollars every time they go to Starbucks. A household that averages $13 when dining out at the national average, according to the labor of statistics cited earlier, at 5.9 times a week, will spend $332 a month on eating out. Do I know how many times I eat out? Do I know how much I spend when I eat out? It's convenient, it's easy, I don't have to cook, I don't have to clean up, and I don't have enough money. Do I know how much I can save if I prepared those meals at home? And you know, those meals at home, that includes frozen pizza. I mean, this is not like, you know, five hours prepare a meal if you you don't want to. And here's another thing that I found. Can you identify with this? The grocery budget is the closest thing to a government line item budget that will be in our household. It never goes down. Well, I eat out a lot, but I save on the groceries. We've never, we, we have never brought that grocery budget down. But we have in our lives gone, man, I don't, we don't have enough money. On average, well, let's go to subscriptions. Well, we got to move. Subscriptions. Next Generation Personal Finance said this. On average, $86 a month was the amount consumers estimated they spent on subscription services. They found the vast majority was actually over 200 Okay? So let's just, I, I, I looked up these things. All right? Netflix, $15.50 a month. Peacock app, $5 a month. Prime Video, $9. Apple Music, $11. Disney Plus, $8. Hulu, $8. Apple TV, $7. Debt monitoring service, $8. The ones we forgot about, $8. And that was, that was generous. The average household spends a very conservative estimate of $80 a month on subscription services. Where did it go? Hold on. Credit cards. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> he did not. He did not. Yeah, he did. Credit cards. Proverbs 22, 7. The rich rules over the poor and the borrower is servant. That word it literally means slave to the lender. Let me tell you something. I'm, I'm not, you have to borrow to get a house. Unless you've been blessed that you don't need to. If you save up to buy a house, cash... You aren't going to be getting the house when you have enough money. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about credit card debt. The national average credit card debt among cardholders, not households, cardholders, with unpaid balances, not paying it off and getting the miles, unpaid balances, living in debt. The average is $6,596 per cardholder. That's lending tree data from January 2023. The current average credit card interest rate for existing accounts is 19.07%. That's according to WalletHub. The average cardholder is paying credit card interest of $105 a month just to live beyond their means. It's been said this, saving is for the future, debt is for the past. If I live this way, I'm literally paying to live in the past. It's poor stewardship. It's poor stewardship. Where did it go? Student loans. I'm not, I'm not, telling, I'm not telling you credit card's sin. Credit card out of control is sin. I'm not telling you subscriptions are sin. Subscriptions out of control are sin. 
Eating out's not a sin. Eating out out of control is a sin. Student loans, that's not a sin. Student loans out of control is a sin. And what, what do you mean out of control student loans? If it's to study something that cannot pay for the loan, don't do it. It's sin because it's poor stewardship. The average federal student loan payment for recent undergraduate degrees recipients is $234 a month. This information is from bestcolleges.com. The average federal student loan payment for master's degree holders is $570 a month. Just take those two, and that, that, that is federal. Let's talk about private loans, it's just federal loans. Oh, and by the way, Fannie Mae, the only way you get away from her, you pay it or you die. And I'm not joking. You cannot file bankruptcy and get away from her. They, will, they know where you're at. Take those, just those two average households. Of the 570 and the 234, you average it out. The average household with federal student loan payments is paying $402 a month. So where did it go? The average amount spent per household with what we just did in research here on eating out, subscription services, credit card interest, not, not paying off the credit card, just the interest, and student loans is $919 a month. If you're at a tax rate where you get taxed about 25%, that would require your boss to come to you tomorrow morning and say, I'm giving you a raise of $14,704 a year. That's what would be required to get an additional $919 a month. The problem is not, I do not have enough money. The problem is, I am not a good steward of what God has entrusted to me. Do you realize in those numbers, we don't have a car yet? We haven't bought fuel. We don't have insurance, health, life, or auto. We don't have rent or a mortgage. We don't have heat or electricity yet. Psalm 37, 21, the wicked borrows and pays not again, but the righteous shows mercy and gives. We're just going to take a time here, finish up. Let's Matthew 25, 21, his Lord said unto him, well done, you good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. The greatest thing that we have to steward is the manifold grace of God. The good news, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one will come to the Father unless it's by him. Have you taken the giver of that gift at his word that the sin was yours? He's paid it and removed it as far as the east is from the west to be remembered no more. The righteousness is his and he's given it to you. In our culture, things that are free, we don't want. Because there's a reason they're free. They're cheap. They're junk. Or there's a string attached. This is free because it has to be pure. The Bible says he by himself has purged our sins and is seated at the right hand of God the Father. I can't do it for you any more than you can do it for me. Believe on Jesus Christ for salvation, please. 
whether you've done it just now or you've done it at some point in the past, we're more that we've been called and empowered and enabled to be more than conquerors through him that loved us. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. And we do not follow his living word that we fight for, we stand for, we look for a good church that'll teach and preach and stand on it, but we excuse why in our own lives, I just don't have what I need. And if I had something different than what I have, then I could do what this New Testament tells the life of a Christian and the New Testament church should be doing. As I mentioned, I stupidly and foolishly put myself in this research because I thought I'd be able to just have a little caveat for you. I didn't have a phone problem. Yeah, I did. You know how nice it's been to have some time? You know how nice it's been to engage with my family? Ladies, you can ask my wife. I've done the dishes multiple times in that two weeks. No one asked. I was sitting there. I saw the dishes. Thought, that needs to be done. And I did it. I had the time. All the guys were like, you could have stopped five minutes ago, guy. God is good all the time. 